This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.05, it's Thursday, it's the 4th of January, listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kam and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now in about 30 minutes, we'll discuss the current status of Jimmy Lai, the founder of Apple Daily, a once upon a time newspaper in Hong Kong's national security trial. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. So on Wall Street, it was pretty much a, a red day. The Dow Jones ended 0.8% lower. The S&P 500 closed 0.8% lower as well. The Nasdaq fell 1.2%. Earlier in the day in Asia, the Nikkei, the Nikkei was down 0.2%. Hong Kong's Hang Seng closed 0.9% lower. Shanghai's composite rose 0.2%. Singapore's STI was down 0.9%. The FBM KLCI managed to gain 0.6%. Okay, so for some insights on as to where international markets are heading, we speak to Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Good morning, Tony. I think it's still not too late to wish you a happy 2024. Uh, Shall we start with the Fed minutes that just came out last night? Oh, well, your time uh, today. I just want to find out what you think about the language they used because they just basically said that it might be appropriate to maintain a restrictive stance for some time. So does this mean that the mantra of higher for longer is still relevant this year? Yeah, I think it is. So what was interesting a lot about the last Fed press conference is how dovish uh, the Fed president or chairman came across and the markets read it as, you know, the, the punch bowl is back um, and as an extremely dovish um, uh, telegraphing from the Fed. I think as we see these notes, we realize that the Fed really is uh, serious about higher for longer um, there are some banks that expect something like seven rate cuts in the first half of the year, something like that. And it just sounds a little bit overly aggressive. So, you know, when we saw the Fed's last press conference, it seemed like a serious discontinuity from their higher for long, longer mantra that they had been saying for two years, two, three years. Um, and so it, it really did force a lot of us to kind of scratch our head and say, wait, why are they doing that? Is this political? Is there some data that the Fed is seeing that we're not seeing? Um, and I think as we see the minutes today, we realize that neither one is the case. It's just that Chair Powell came across more dovish than he probably intended. Okay, so what does this then mean for asset allocation, or at least let's focus on equities? Is that the reason why the new year has started on such a negative note, especially for the NASDAQ? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, technology especially uh, does well in uh, environments of low interest and loose monetary policy. So, uh, if we are not going to see a rapid loosening of monetary policy, meaning lower interest rates, more cash in the system, then the valuations that we see in technology uh, are questionable, right? The other um, consideration is this, and we've talked about this before. The, if we don't have accelerating inflation, and this seems a little bit counterintuitive, but if we don't have accelerating inflation, then the margins that companies can charge 
start to compress. So companies can't raise their prices as quickly using inflation as a justification. And competition comes in and we start to see price competition again, which is normal for markets. So so I think there's there's going to be a lot of questions around the valuations that companies have especially if the Fed persists with this higher for longer messaging and we don't see uh, dovishness in the pipeline. So, Tony, how do you reckon this will play into the US dollar strength, which has pretty much been the theme for 2023, going into 2024? Where do you think this will go? Well, I think um, it's it's kind of status quo for the US dollar, right? I mean, it's, um, you know... If we're not seeing aggressive easing, uh, if we're not seeing uh, accelerated QE or a halting of QT, quantitative tightening, um, then, you know, we can expect the dollar to kind of stay in the environment, you know, all all else held equal. We can expect the dollar to stay pretty consistent. Um, one of the questions there is around fiscal. How much fiscal spending will the U.S. government do, which uh, creates a demand for dollars, right? But it is an election year, so I wouldn't expect fiscal spending to really ease up that much. So, you know, the real question is, and we we look at like uh, the CNY and the, you know, the, the band that the CNY is trading in, there was some expectation that we'd see more strength in CNY and JPY and other currencies. And we're just not seeing that uh, today because of what we've seen coming out of the Fed. What does this then mean for Asian equity markets? Because there was the expectations that as the Fed unwinds and becomes more dovish, there would be fund inflow into emerging markets. Is that theory right. now not I mean, going to be disputed? Yeah, I think it, it is. Uh, it will be disputed because, look, if you have a stronger dollar, of course, um, you know, you have value um, retention uh, in a stronger dollar. Um, so, and if you have a stronger dollar, you have on a on a relative basis, you have weakening, uh, not all, but some weakening Asian currencies. So, um, and then if you have those weakening Asian currencies, then the inflows of capital uh, from uh, international markets to those uh, middle income and emerging markets, and and even um, say Japan, um, are relatively lower because it's the currency is a risk uh, for those investors. So. I, you know, I don't necessarily think it means that Asian markets are uh, are out or are negative, um, but I do think it means that uh, emerging markets generally will take less of an allocation than some people had thought in 2024. Um, and, you know, the economic managers in Asia are going to have to be much more careful with their monetary policy to make sure that their currencies don't erode in the wake of of dollar strength. And when I say dollar strength, I'm not saying that the the dollar is going to, you know, rocket up in value, but you know, even if it stays at its current level, it's a relatively strong currency. Okay, Tony, where do we then pack our money because for the for us in Asia, it's like uh, all in the red on a year-to-date basis, so is the United States. Uh so yep. where sh- where can we put our cash to work or do we just keep cash for the moment then? I don't know that I would necessarily keep cash. I think you have to look at, you know, you have to look at, say, um, commodity related stocks, um, you know, miners, that sort of thing. You have to look at financial services. You have to look at 
you know, things that are consistent businesses, regardless of, uh, say, the business cycle. Um, and, you know, if we start to see margins erode. So some of these things that we saw uh, that were really attractive over the past couple of years, like um, uh, consumer discretionary and things like, you know, dining out and restaurants and these sorts of things where they could pass along um, uh, inflation to customers, um, those things are going to be relatively less profitable, uh, assuming we continue with the higher for longer environment and the allocations that people would make there uh, would would necessarily pull back uh, as people look for more consistent, probably value-ish, I wouldn't necessarily say full value, but value-ish type of stocks. Um, and and really, it, it's a time to, to be value aware and relatively conservative until we have a clear idea of the path. Tony, we've seen some volatility in oil prices uh, due to what's happening in the Red Sea area. How do you see crude prices trending over the next week or so as energy markets seek clarity in this situation? Yeah, we saw we saw Brent up, I think, around 3.5% today, maybe give or take a little bit, but Brent was up quite a bit today um, to, I think, around 78.50. Um, but that's down from, say, $94 in October. So Crude is still relatively weak compared to where it was uh, just a few months ago. Um, there is slack uh, in the in the environment, and we are starting to see, say, the job market in the U.S. be weaker. Uh, we're starting to see more, uh, say, layoff announcements, these sorts of things. Um, we're seeing growth in, in, say, China expected to continue to slow. Uh, Europe really isn't picking up. So the question, I think, is on the demand side. So if we had tight demand, we could expect to see crude prices spike up pretty quickly, but we're not necessarily seeing that. So the real question is, you know, are we going to have a major geopolitical event that's going to halt uh, crude shipments? Um, we're not necessarily seeing that. We're seeing some Houthi uh, uh, rockets uh, in the Red Sea, but we're not necessarily seeing major disruptions yet. And so if that becomes a major disruption, then yeah, we could we could expect some serious rises, especially in Brent, um, but um, but we're not necessarily there yet. So there's some volatility, there's some up and down. I would expect to see some action taken against the Houthi positions uh, ongoing for the next several weeks to kind of take them out and reduce that risk. All right, thank you very much for your time. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence, reminding us that the Fed remains still quite hawkish, their tone. And as a result, it looks like the reign of the king dollar continues, at least for the while, for a while. Status quo, he says. Uh, but I, I mean, there are, there are things that we could continue watching for, like uh, perhaps, I mean, everything seems to be hinged on China's uh, long-awaited recovery since 2022. And I don't know if that's going to happen in 2024, but let's wait and see, I guess. China, the comeback hit that didn't materialise. Maybe it's 2024 is, the, is their year. Uh, but let's turn our attention to Carl Main Foods. Now you're wondering, what does this company do? It is actually the United States' largest shell egg production company. They reported a net income of 17 million US dollars for the second quarter of fiscal 2024. Now, what was 
significant was the 92% drop compared with 198 million in the same quarter last year. Was there foul play there? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Cal Mains did say that one of his facilities in Kansas uh, tested positive for avian flu production at that facility was temporarily halted. The company is working around with other facilities to minimise disruptions. Meanwhile, a jury has also found that Calmain and other companies were liable for an alleged conspiracy to raise prices of egg products from 1998 to 2008. They have their own egg cartel there. That's not Sounds an extraordinary right? type news. Oh my goodness, Keith, <laughs> you're really rolling with all the puns this morning. Anyway, the, the jury did award plaintiffs around $18 million in damages. So that's some context for you there. Okay, so Calmain, not much coverage on Wall Street. There are only three analysts that cover this stock. And guess what? They're evenly split because there's just one buy, one hold, one sell. Consensus target price for the stock, 55 US dollars. It was actually down $1.82 during regular market hours trading to $54.86. The stock is actually down more than 4%. Uh, in the for what is the United States just two days of trading at this moment, right? Not very exciting. Is it? Oh my goodness! There goes another pun. Up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned for that. BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.